0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Triggered. This is Triggered episode number 220. We're here on Thursday, September 24th, and it is 40 days until the presidential election. Today we're joined here on Triggered by Thomas Jipping, the deputy director of the Edwin Mista III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies and a senior legal fellow in the center, which is part of the Institute for Constitutional Government at Heritage. Tom joined Heritage after 15 years on the staff of one of the all-time greats in the U.S. Senate, Senator Orrin Hatch, including several as his chief counsel on the all-important Senate Judiciary Committee, and he's referred to as the true expert who knows everything there is to know about judicial nominations Thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I hope that's true. (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. I've heard (laughs) uh, heard a
0: couple friends that it is. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, you know, what's your overall take on this Supreme Court vacancy that just a week ago today, uh, you know, no one was truly expecting. And it's really, you know, uh, it was a shocking turn of events, especially this close to the election.
1: Well, you know, and federal judges in the United States don't have set terms. So either they, either they decide when to leave or uh, when they die, you know, in office, it can be sudden as well. And that, that makes it kind of unpredictable. Uh, you know, four years ago, Justice Scalia's death was truly unexpected. This time, uh, Justice Ginsburg was in declining health, but, you know, no one knew uh, when, you uh, when she might pass away. So, you know, these things are unexpected at the same time. uh, This is what the president and the Senate do on a regular basis, and that is fill judicial vacancies. The reason that we're, uh, you know, debating and arguing so much about this one is just that there's a a lot at stake in any Supreme Court appointment. And, uh, you know, just four years ago, there was a big clash about, uh, filling a, a Supreme Court vacancy in a presidential election year. And obviously Republicans and Democrats want uh, want the decision to go in a way that benefits them. And that's why there's uh, such a conflict now.
0: Yeah, and, and President Trump, of course, had the list of candidates to choose from. Uh, it's become a big issue now that Joe Biden refuses to release one. Do you think that that refusal will either be a non-tenable position, or be more important after President Trump makes his announcement on Saturday, or or that it really won't matter all that much, and he's just kind of dead set in in his ways here?
1: Well, you know, remember that um, Donald Trump in twenty sixteen he was the first presidential candidate to actually uh, release a list of names presidential candidates had talked about. Um, in general terms the kind of judge they they would appoint or sometimes use kind of cliches and this sort of thing but they hadn't said you know i will choose from among these people i thought that was a bold move by trump and it was a very concrete way of, of uh, indicating what he would do with regard to the supreme court he's expanded that list uh and it, it includes a number of people who Uh, He has appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals. He's got a lot of great people on it. Uh, So so in that sense, you know, lists of people, it's relatively new. But since Trump has done it and since the Supreme Court is a big issue in this campaign, I think it does create some pressure on Joe Biden to to do the same so that people can evaluate uh, the two side by side. Biden indicated he would. Now he says he won't. All he has said is he's going to appoint a black woman. Um, people can decide for themselves uh, whether that's a kind of shirking his responsibility or whether that's sufficient information. Um, but uh, I think President Trump, uh, he will choose from his list and he's going about it in a pretty concrete way.
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, when Trump did that back in 2016, it really was an unprecedented move from kind of a very unconventional guy. And I think that had probably the biggest effect on uniting conservatives behind him because uh, you know, now we're here in 2020 and a lot of conservatives talk about this vacancy as, you know, the once time once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh what's your take on that and and how this will affect the highest court in the land going forward? I mean, with threats from Democrats, if they were to uh, take power in the Senate come 2021. There are you know over overarching ideas of potential court packing and and things like that. What what's your what's your thoughts on how this where this goes from here?
1: You know, the the way that the courts become an issue in campaigns and elections is kind of a mixed bag. And I say that because uh, most of our fellow citizens don't know anything about the way our judicial system actually works. And so you know, you can hear things uh, in certain language that lawyers might know or that uh, maybe members of the Senate Judiciary Committee might recognize, but most uh, potential voters really won't understand what a lot of these issues are. So they kind of rely either on their party or kind of uh, how the, the cliches sound, whether it's favorable or not, this kind of thing. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I would rather uh, have a more substantive effort to really educate our fellow citizens about some of these issues but um, the fact is the courts have become the most powerful branch in our government america's founders believed they would be the weakest designed it that way but because we've departed from their design uh unelected judges have become more powerful than elected representatives that's not the way our system is supposed to work so um that's why it's an important issue uh not only during campaigns and and elections but in between as well and uh you know that that's going to be part of this that's part of this year and we'll see what the american people say
0: yeah and and federal judicial appointments have and, and always i think will continue to be one of the top issues for conservative voters overall um can you tell us a little bit about heritage's judicial appointment tracker which uh you oversee and manage
1: Sure. The um the judicial appointment tracker, which you can find at slash judicial tracker, um it, it tracks seven different steps in the appointment process from uh the number of judicial vacancies to how many nominations a president makes and then several steps within the Senate process. And and it not only provides current data for President Trump or whoever the incumbent is but then it compares that to five previous presidents at the same point in their presidency. And it's a way of, of comparing a sort of a state of the appointment process, not just by using a number here or there, but by using uh, comparative um, information that really allows you to see what's going on today in relation to what's gone on under previous presidents. We, we update it regularly. In fact, uh, the, pre- the Senate's gonna confirm another u.s district judge today and i'll update our tracker accordingly and and i think it provides a unique uh, insight into uh, not just you know a little little data point here or there but but at the broader picture of this whole process and how it's being conducted
0: yeah it's a really cool look at at just the overall picture of of the the vast number of uh, appointments that President Trump has gotten, and uh, like you said, they look to confirm another today, and it looks like they're marking up more judges this morning in judiciary. So uh, that thing's not stopping rolling.
1: Yeah, people pay. You know, of course, we pay attention to the Supreme Court when there's a vacancy, but that almost never happens. Mm-hmm. The truth is, the uh, there is you know 860 federal judges altogether, and the Senate is constantly involved in evaluating nominations to hundreds of these lower court. Uh, positions. And the lower courts have the last word on about 99% of the cases of the federal judicial system. The Supreme Court only handles a few cases here and there. So those appointments to the other federal courts are really important. And that's what, uh, what we're trying to keep track of.
0: Yep, totally agree. And I saw that you tweeted about uh, Chuck Schumer's move with the Intel committee scheduling, saying thanks for
1: clearing more time for confirmation, which I well, thought was awesome. Uh, do you? You know Well, you know think- one of one, well, you know, one of the frustrating things about the Senate, and and you see it up close when you work there, uh, is there are ways that senators or that uh, one party can sort of Annoy the other. In other words, it's mm-hmm. it. They, they do they do things that aren't really productive or that don't really address real problems. They just are sort of reactions. So what happened there? You know, the the Senate has a rule that uh, it, that committees have to get permission of the full Senate to meet while the Senate is in session. I think they don't want. Uh, so much competition between what's going on on the Senate floor and what might be happening in committees. Well, that, that permission is is almost always granted. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a basic way of the Senate doing its business. Well, Senator Schumer was annoyed at what's going on, so he didn't allow that permission to be granted so that the Intelligence Committee couldn't meet. Now, I don't know what problem that solves or what he thought he was accomplishing, but uh, it's just sort of one of these, I'm going to I'm going to do something that annoys you because I don't like what you're doing. And it it can get pretty petty at times.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely very petty and a lot of spite moves going on there. Um, I heard that, well, at least the reports as of now are looking like there may be uh, confirmation hearings the week of October 12th which would potentially set up a final vote i believe the week of october 26th obviously this is all very speculative and tentative but do you think that's a realistic timeline because i see that you've written about you know realistically how fast can you get
1: someone confirmed for this position well there's a difference between uh, looking at how the process uh, works most of the time and whether a process can be more efficient and still be thorough and complete. Um, mm-hmm. You can look at under normal circumstances, and yeah, it it takes a couple of months, maybe eight to 10 weeks or something, but that's under normal circumstances. That doesn't mean it can't be done in shorter time. Uh, I think the time frame they're talking about now, especially if the nominee is someone who was before the Judiciary Committee within the last few years for an appointment to a lower court. They're already familiar with them. Uh, I think that is a reasonable time frame. Um, And if the Senate is determined to focus attention on something that important, they certainly can get it done.
0: Yep. And, And how much do you think that Uh, The Kavanaugh battle truly changed, you know, the overall psyche of Republican senators in this case and and conservative voters alike in having kind of the Justo here to just say, you know, we're going to do this.
1: Well, I followed or actually worked in this process for about 35 years. I, I for the first Supreme Court nomination I worked on was Justice Scalia, who I was working for in 1986. You know, I can tell you there have been a lot of underhanded things going on, not all on one side necessarily, but a lot of tactics that are, I think, uh, unfortunate and kind of underhanded, Um, but it wasn't until, I think, uh, the Kavanaugh situation just a couple years ago uh, where people saw just, you know, up front on camera just how ugly and uh, vicious some of these tactics can be. And I, I know that that certainly affected Chairman Lindsey Graham. and I hope it did affect other Republicans uh, to say, look, we we you know we' we're, we're, we're tolerant about a lot of things. We want things to work uh, smoothly, but if that's impossible, that kind of attack and that kind of treatment of nominees and that sort of damage, to the Senate as an institution uh, is just unacceptable. And if that's going to happen, uh, we're just going to go forward and get it done. I hope that's what they do.
0: Yeah, I totally agree there. And and do you have any thoughts on uh, kind of the rumored finalists and what kind of jurists they would be? Because I think no matter who it is, uh, you know the left is going to go into a head-spinning meltdown, and I saw that you said, especially if it's Amy Coney Barrett. You know they're going to attack the the anti-Catholic angle. It's it's going to mm-hmm. be really
1: disgusting there as well. Well, two two things there. One is, uh, and this is something we've also documented at the Heritage Foundation, uh, the level of opposition to Trump nominees across the board, even to uh, district court nominees at, at kind of the bottom of the ladder, has been. Um, overwhelming. It has been by orders of magnitude more than at any point under any president in history. So, you know, that's where they start from. The the opposition to this Supreme Court nominee uh, is is just simply what they've been doing to every judicial nominee. So you can expect uh, just across the board opposition. But in in, in that respect, uh, you mentioned Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who's on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. She experienced some of that when she was before the Judiciary Committee in, in 2017. We, we can see what the left will do when they want to stop judges who take a traditional approach to interpreting the Constitution. That certainly shouldn't stop us, but we got to, you know, we got to be uh, no rose-colored glasses here. We can't pretend that it's going to be anything other than the ugliness that it's going to be. And I'm, I'm very thankful that someone. Like whoever the nominee is going to be is willing to, you know, to step up to that. If people need to understand that this is a, a conflict between two radically different views of how much power judges should have. The America's founders designed the judiciary to have a limited role in our system of government, important, but limited. Uh, and judges are, are supposed to take the law as it is and they're supposed to interpret it for the for what it already means the the left looks at judges as a political institution they think judges are supposed to deliver a political agenda they're supposed to serve political interests and therefore they can interpret the constitution and statutes any way they want to achieve the goals that they want those are two radically different views only one of them is consistent with the kind of freedom we enjoy in america and, uh, the, and that's worth defending, and that's what's going to be the clash coming up, and people have to understand that this will not be, if it's Amy Comey Barrett, this will not be a, a clash or a conflict about her. She's a wonderful human being, and she, she was a, a wonderful, respected scholar, and she's a respected judge. Now, this isn't about that. It's about the fact that when she looks at a written constitution, she only sees what's written there, and <laughs> she doesn't make stuff up. She doesn't read between the lines or pretend things are written around the edges or something like that. Uh, She does what a judge is actually supposed to do. And so uh, people who want judges to run the country aren't going to like that, but that's the way our system is designed.
0: Yeah. And then that last point is, is so important. And especially with the way the Democrats are talking about judicial appointments in the future, that's going to truly be the two competing visions there and hopefully our our originalist constitutionalism win out the day.
1: Well that you know and and that's why this is an opportunity I think you know and republicans have a great opportunity to explain to our fellow citizens why uh, the kind of judge that the president has been appointing the kind of justice who I'm sure his nominee will be uh, is the kind of judge that America needs you know there's, there's some things that are more important than politics. There are some things that are more important than a specific political agenda. You know, the ends do not justify the means. When it comes to our system of government, the pieces of that system are supposed to work together in a certain way. And if they don't, then we lose our freedom. And, and that, that's what's at issue here is should we, should we, Do we need a a judiciary that works the way it was designed, the way that it will help us keep our freedom, or do we want to have unelected judges uh, determine what our rights are and determine what the supreme law of the land means? I mean, I don't think it gets more important than that. It's an opportunity for the American people to to look at that issue, to learn a little bit about maybe civics, and to understand what's important about this uh, great system of government that we have.
0: A perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Tom, for your generous time today. I really appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. And I recorded that
0: interview this morning uh, when Matt had a conflict. I so.
2: had to take care of my side business. You know, I've been uh, – those, <laughs> those Chinese whores don't just oh find business God. on their own. Well, so. speaking of uh,
0: <laughs> speaking of Chinese whores, yeah. you see Robert Kraft got off from the charges.
2: He did? He got awesome. off. Awesome got off from the got a happy ending yeah. from those uh, ch- that's good that's awesome all right so let's start I'm not a the Patriots sh- fan but you know what it does say something to get a little rub and tug and then all, okay, right, all right and all right, then right. get on a plane oh. win the AFC championship game and then win the Super Bowl again that year
0: all right yeah, yeah I agree that's, I agree <laughs> and then
2: he yeah. used that plane to bring over scores of masks during the COVID well, pandemic. it was also
0: entrapment. Remember, we talked it about totally that totally entrapment. I know, yeah. totally entrapment. All right, so, so let's talk about politics. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Enough of that. Because <laughs> I know you can talk about that oh, all day. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, but let's talk about what the hell is going on here with Joe Biden, hiding Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: 932, he's, I believe, he called the lid? Yeah,
0: again. For, di- for I mean, what, the third out of, out of five
2: days? Oh, yeah. His party is like scrambling and doing all that I mean they're not going to be successful but they're doing all that they can to block the Supreme Court nomination, mm-hmm. right? They're getting, you know, they're trying to put up some sort of fight and he uh, decides to go back into the basement.
0: Well, I think he's hiding because of what came out yesterday. We're going to talk a lot about well, that. Well, that too,
2: yeah. But yeah. He doesn't have the stamina
0: no, he doesn't. Okay? Look at President Trump's schedule for today. Because this is truly...
2: Well, let's go back to... La- I mean, he had two rallies in Ohio.
0: Well, yeah, right? yeah. Right? But, had- but, but today... Yeah. So, he started the morning already, went and paid his respects at the Supreme Court to RBG. Yeah, they booed him. Terrible. Which... Well, yeah, that was totally disrespectful. Yeah. But... You know they booed him. They're like, vote him out, vote him yeah. out. Yeah, we'll get the last laugh yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. But why hasn't Joe Biden gone to pay his respects to the you know great liberal R B G right?
2: I thought he w- I thought he would be there. You know, yeah, day yeah.
0: one, right? Then President Trump is just about to board a plane to North Carolina, where yeah. he's going to Charlotte, and nice. he's going to announce his America First healthcare vision. All right. So we're gonna get the healthcare plan right. Yeah. Then. He's gonna fly down to Jacksonville, Florida, do a rally, which I'm sure it's gonna is be gonna lit. be. Yeah, it's gonna be tremendous. Yeah. And uh, and then he's gonna fly down to Miami to stay at Trump Doral for the overnight stay there. Uh, and I mean, it's were, rumored when right. he might be meeting with you know yeah. Lagoa. We'll see.
2: Do you play golf, Lagoa? Let's yeah. play some golf. Yeah. The green that was it. The blue monster, right? The blue. Is that, yeah. Is that Trump Doral out there? Is that the name? Yeah.
0: Of and. <laughs> But you know Trump's out there. He's doing things. He's the most accessible president of of recent memory. He talks to everybody, answers
2: questions, does press conferences. You might not like you know. where he asks answers those questions, but he yeah. you know he he's available. Like you said, he's available. And let me tell you, I have to just say on a sidebar, if if you're the reporter covering the Biden campaign, talk this is like a vacation for you, isn't it? Essentially, I mean, really, I mean, essentially, not you get up, you pr- they're probably up really early. Mm-hmm. And then 9.30, they have nothing to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's... It, it... Something's off here, man. I mean, remember when he... I mean, not that anyone watched because it was during an Eagles home game. But when he gave that platitudinous speech about how, like, you know, you can't, like, fill the vacancy now. Remember when he left? There was an extended, you know, you know camera footage on him leaving the podium. He looked a little wobbly. Yeah. Leaving the, exiting the Constitution Center. Looked a little wobbly. I'm not so sure. I mean, I was joking that the pop person's face was melting off. Yeah. But, you know. He had to reset uh, the computer. Yeah, reset. Yeah, reset. But I don't think he, I honestly think he doesn't have the wherewithal to do this. And maybe he's doing it because he's going to be absolutely spent during these debates. Yeah, well, you know he's gonna be spent, man. It's, I mean, or or it could be he's very well prepared. I don't know. I mean, it's, maybe maybe we should stop. He talking He just down, said,
0: though. no, I know. I think we yeah. should stop lowering expectations. Yeah, stop but that. I also think that he just said yesterday he hasn't, uh, you know, said it isn't uh, prepared for the debate.
2: He hasn't prepared. He
0: said yesterday uh, that they haven't right. started debate prep yet, and well, I'm like, okay, be, that, that well, could be a lot. You know, so that they're the the rapid response team in the mainstream media for Joe Biden this morning. It's like, yeah. well, he's just preparing for the debate. Yeah. Well, you know, but there's still a very clear contrast here. Uh, Justin Gomez of ABC, who, who covers the presidential campaign, said the Biden campaign called a lit at nine twenty a.m. today. Harris also has no public events on her schedule. Meanwhile, Trump has events in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jacksonville, Florida, and Pence is on a bus tour with stops in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: Very, very yeah.
0: different. Yep. And what does the Biden Harris campaign have to hide that yeah. they refuse to answer non pre selected questions? You know, I was just saying to you the other night, has Kamala even answered questions? Maybe once. Like, I would say
2: not. Yeah, I mean, you you can probably count them on 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 one hand. Yeah, it's not that many.
0: It's. I mean, it's truly unbelievable what they're trying to do here. They're trying to. I, I tweeted this morning. I'm like, I campaigned harder for class president in high school than this guy's yeah, campaigning no, right? for president of the United States. Yeah. It's truly an embarrassment. I mean, it, I mean, it, as Trump said the other night, if if he loses to Joe Biden, he's like, I got to go into hiding forever. I'll never see you again. Sorry. <laughs> like, that's – it really is something what they're trying to do here, and, and a large reason I think they're hiding is because they don't want to have to answer any possible questions about uh, Hunter Biden's corruption, which was exposed to a whole new level yesterday. You wrote about this. So what's the gist of these, these allegations, I guess you could say, that were made by the Senate Homeland Security Committee and Senator yeah. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who by no means is a, a Trump sycophant. No. He no, is not. No. no. So what, what were well, they talking well, about?
2: Well, I, I think Katie wrote this.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. But you wrote about Hunter Biden, didn't
2: you? Uh, no? B- before. Okay. No, 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 long, long ago, like when the whole, Either way, the whole so, prison thing. So so maybe have j- written about it. But yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, yeah, Hunter Biden received a $3.5 million transfer from uh, the wife of the Moscow mayor. Yep. So we all went, the, not, not we, sorry. The liberal media goes all apoplectic over Donald Trump Jr. having a worthless meeting in Trump Tower with some Russians in June of 2016. But this, Hunter Biden gets millions of dollars from the Russians and there is nothing. Mm-hmm. They actually, they're trying to suffocate this with a pillow. I've seen some stories. They're trying to like, you know, throw this back at Republicans saying, oh, it's not good to bring this up, mm-hmm. which I don't know why. But it's just like, there is an issue here. Hunter Biden has traded off his, fa- his father's name. He got that billion dollar contract with the Chinese. So now he's getting money from both, both of our enemies. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to talk about it, and basically everyone takes Joe Biden at his word when he says, "Well, I don't really t- ask my son about this stuff because I trust him," mm-hmm. which is
0: bull. And page seventeen <clears throat> of the report reveals that Biden, f- Joe Biden, flat out lied when he said he had never spoken about Hunter about his. Oh, they, t- they, t- they, t- they, t- they talk
2: about it all the time. It's part of Biden Inc.
0: And it's not just us talking about this. The Obama White House themselves had major problems yes. with this and raised it many yes. times.
2: Let's uh, let's rehash that that lengthy uh, New Yorker piece about yeah. Will Hunter kill his dad's campaign?
0: Yeah, so it's it's not like ugh, I I don't know the whole thing. Is this ridiculous.
2: would be if this was a Republican. Uh, I know, folks, you know this game. If this was a Republican, that game's fun. Always fun to play. Yeah, this would be nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop on the the big three, and the other liberal news outlets.
0: Yep. So. And circling back to SCOTUS here real quick. So yeah. obviously that's the big news that's been hanging ever since last Friday when RBG died. Uh, president Trump announced that he will be announcing his Supreme Court nominee from the Rose Garden at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, we know that Judge Amy Coney Barrett has met with the president twice, and at the moment I think she's the clear favorite. Yeah. It was confirmed, and then it was not confirmed that President Trump was going to meet with Lagoa in Miami. That was denied by the White House. Who knows? Um, it could be one
2: of those. Well, it was denied, but she was in the area, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. it's 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 one of those things, who really knows? I, I think the money is on ACB. Yeah. You know, like I was saying the other day, and after the other day, I went back and read even more rulings and, and <laughs> issues and thing in her stances... I've come around a little more on ACB. The safer pick is Lagoa. Yeah. But I don't think they want safe. Yeah. They want the fight here. Yeah. Because you're going to see—
2: The nastier it gets, the more it unites the base. Right. Yeah. That, But, yeah. but
0: you're going to see the most anti-Catholic bigotry on display oh, from the be- left— yeah. Yeah. Since that of the KKK, yeah. also run by Democrats, yeah. shockingly. I was going to
2: say not not since Bill the Butcher walked the streets of nineteenth century New York City will yes. we see such anti-Catholic bigotry. I mean, it's 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 going to be, and I think she's pretty squeaky clean. And the way you can tell is, there the liberal media thinks that like you know simple Christian doctrine is like somehow radical, like building a kingdom of God. Yeah. On yeah. like that is that's that that was taught to us in like CCD. And she was part of this, I don't know, I didn't even read it because it was bullshit, the whole, like, part of the Handmaid's Tale smear. Yeah, that's which ridiculous It was absolutely smear. groundless and fat, you know, it was absolutely, you know, fact. Check, you know, fact check, we're all about the fact check, where's the fact check on that? Not you know? to mention that liberals completely gloss
0: over the fact that numerous times in remarks made by RBG, she cited yeah. her Jewish faith. Yeah. So it's just okay, not okay when Republicans do it, yes. or like, what's the deal here?
2: Catholics are good until they start talking about their Catholicism, I guess. But yeah. if that's all they got, I mean, I they're probably gonna have more. But if that's their opening salvo, they got nothing.
0: Yeah, it's so it, it's I mean, very but, clear. But hey,
2: keep it coming, please. Keep keep it keep. But let's let's get that Catholic vote in play then.
0: It's very clear, and after the uh, the first round, I guess, of polling came out on the idea of Democrats packing the court. They're backing off of that so quickly now. Yeah. So quickly. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't say that. And I'm like, oh, talking what about, you uh talking
2: about Dick Durbin? Dick Durbin? Said no, No.
0: Like who's running against Ernst in uh, oh, Iowa? Oh, I, I forget. I forget. She had previously stated support for packing the courts. And now, and she's, now she's like, like no. oh, you know, no, 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 no. This might yeah. be a little too much. Yeah. Well, guess what? I think they saw the polling and they realized yeah. that Americans don't want that. Yeah. You see, even Nancy Pelosi said, well, maybe we'll impeach him. But then she said that, ah, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to go that route because we saw how well that well, went for them was, last time politically. I
2: exactly. mean, and this is even more overtly political than ever if you try to do that now. It's mm-hmm. going to just blow up in the Democrats' face. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, Pelosi's a horrible woman. She's mm-hmm. an evil woman. But she's not an idiot. Yeah. I mean, she in terms of political strategy, she knows what she I, – I, I have to give a hat tip to my enemy. She knows what she's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the she's, most part. The she's most getting part. less sharp in her old age, yeah. and I think the Botox might be seeping into her brain. Yeah, but, yeah. That's uh, very, Mitch McConnell,
2: that's
0: very <laughs> <laughs> or uh, not Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, who hopefully uh, we could use to depose Speaker Pelosi if we'd win back the House this fall. Here's what he had to say about it.
1: If she tries to move for an impeachment based upon the president following the Constitution, we will take the movement to remove her from speakership. <laughs> I love yeah, it.
0: We're yeah. You're not the only ones with arrows in your quiver, so yeah. that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the polls, which we've talked about a lot here, yeah. you notice how all of them instantaneously have shifted.
2: Oh, I'm talking because, like two to three points in our direction. Oh, big yeah. time. Oh, because
0: yeah. they realized that they're likely voter models that they were using to uh-huh. put out these – Biden plus eight numbers are just wrong, especially in swing states. I mean, we mentioned the other day the polls of Arizona and Florida. Trump up four in Florida and up by a point or two in Arizona. We have new polls out now that demonstrate that the race is way closer than anybody thought was before. You have uh, numbers that are coming out here. The, some of these some of these are registered voter polls so you know take it with a grain of salt but if they're hitting the right registered voters that eventually will turn into likely voters you know that could be significant you have places like Iowa that they say oh Biden's going to flip Iowa well Trump's up 5 points there with registered voters okay, so, so that, that means, means with likely eight, voters exactly yeah exactly he, they even have him up in Nevada which is interesting. Arizona's tied within two points in New Mexico.
2: That's going to help. Arizona's tied. That's going to help. No wonder why McSally has has, has gained ground.
0: Oh, yeah. McSally is on on the uprise. Yeah. And not only that, here in Virginia, through a different poll, VCU's likely voter poll, which is usually pretty decent, shows Trump within five here in Virginia. Oh, wow. If Biden doesn't break the 50-point mark here in Virginia—
2: He's toast nationally. That's, that's 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 it. That's problematic, and this is like not. Uh, this is not a hard state to win now with all these libs in Northern Virginia. Oh yeah, this. You just, I mean, look what look what Northam did. You just gotta you just gotta run up the margins up here, and it's game over. Yep. He can't break fifty percent here yep. in Communist Clarendon. I know, I know it's the whole thing I think the basement ain't
0: working Joe but no it's not you, well, got,
2: you gotta be out there I mean I know that this is you got to be out there campaigning I, I I don't understand what's going on I mean uh, I'm happy oh
0: well, yeah so hopefully he keeps hiding. Yeah, it's just good keep for hiding. Us. yeah the call us. Pres-
2: call in at seven o'clock tomorrow
0: the president's gonna keep tomorrow. running the trump train forward at full speed ahead and he's gonna you know he's gonna keep holding events he's gonna keep doing things the the thing is right the president works long long days. Right. He goes from morning to late at night. You know he's up. You know he's in tune because he's tweeting. And he said this morning, and I totally agree with this, Joe Biden does not have the energy to be president. He will not be able to go through the daily rigorous schedule that the president has to deal with. And it's more clear than ever that Joe Biden – and they talked about this on The Five last night – Joe Biden is not the man here that's the candidate. It's a committee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kamala Harris is set to step in, but who's really pulling the strings behind the scenes? Yeah. It's the radical leftists. Yeah. It's the AOCs. Yeah. You know, Ilhan Omar, Bernie Sanders. He has to to deal with them. Yeah. And he – well, the thing is he's walking on such a sharp edge because he's trying to simultaneously play the – Oh, I'm some moderate, and he says I'm not a socialist. Yeah, I
2: remember I beat the so- socialist. Right, I beat the socialist. Yeah, and but sales.
0: then he comes out and says, "Oh, but I'll I'll be a great progressive president." And you have AOC who's really behind the scenes running this whole shit show, saying, "Oh, when he's president, no problem. We're gonna get whatever we need with the far left." So yeah. who do you believe? Who do you believe? The one who has the mental acuity of. Uh, a malcontent he, or – He's
2: for fracking and then he's like, no, I'm going to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, uh, says nothing about the protests because he doesn't want to piss off the progressives who like the lawlessness and the rioting and the violence and then says in Pittsburgh, you know, it's, it's not legitimate. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of reasons if you are a left-wing revolutionary voter of the AOC ilk to just sit out.
0: Yeah, I agree. It really agree. is.
2: I mean, if you are, because remember, these people are all about the principles, right? Yeah. I mean, to the to the nth degree, all about the revolution, all about you know the you know neo you know neo Marxism here. Mm-hmm. If you really want that, you can't vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. Because well, he, because he's milk toast on all of on on two of the big issues, health care. And I believe, yeah, the, the climate, right? Yeah, well, he's, so it's kind of walked the waffle path on climate change. I think
0: with them, I, I think mistaken, they, but health
2: healthcare for a big
0: is is big. They sit on the edge of meh. Maybe yeah. I'll vote for him, right? Yeah, and you have a case here where I I know I am almost hundred percent sure that Joe Biden next week in this debate is going to attempt to come off as a moderate because they are very afraid of the narrative forming that he is a far left puppet. Yeah. The more he does that, the more he pushes away that socialist wing of the party. And without that socialist wing of the party, the base that voted against, or that didn't vote for Hillary last time, right? If they do that again, it's more than over for him. He's just toast. And it'll be a landslide in our favor.
2: Who's the, yeah, yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, unrest in Louisville, Mm. so... Last uh yesterday, the grand jury in the in the Brianna Taylor case handed down one indictment for one of three officers involved in Taylor's death. Uh, Officer Brett Hankinson will be charged with a couple of counts of wanton endangerment, which yeah. <laughs> that was a funny uh, yeah. charge name. Just an yeah. aside there. Wanton endangerment, yeah. Which is just because of shots from his gun entering a neighboring apartment, not Brianna's Taylor's.
2: Yeah.
0: But. There's a narrative that's forming here and being pushed by the media, oh, which know. is... I a, know where you're going with
2: this. Yeah. Which is
0: a total lie. Yeah. And even after the facts were announced yesterday by the Attorney General of Kentucky, you had Chris Cuomo last night go on CNN, Fredo, and just lie. Just lie and try to gin up a narrative to to form more civil unrest in this country. It's really, truly yeah. irresponsible. Yeah, it is. And... But is it too late to get these facts right? I don't think so. And the information that came out yesterday are the facts. So here's what happened. On March 13th, Louisville police went to execute what was what was signed by a judge as a no-knock search warrant on the apartment. However, the police did not serve it as a no-knock warrant. In fact, they knocked and announced themselves as corroborated by an independent witness who was, I believe, a resident in that apartment complex. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first lie. So the warrant was signed as no-knock, but police did not execute it in such a way. So yes. there goes that talking point, yeah. right? Once they entered the apartment, the police were fired upon by Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. Yep. Yeah. Kenneth Walker. And one of the officers was hit. Officers then returned fire, and Brianna Taylor herself was caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Okay? So, what's the media narrative around this? The police stormed the residents, and they shot first, asked questions later. There was yep. no shoot back at them, yep. and that Brianna Taylor was sound asleep in her bed. Yep. This is a lie. That's false. She was not asleep in her bed. In fact, she was out of bed when she was shot because the police weren't gonna just fire eight bullets into the bed of someone just laying there, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just totally unbelievable. Yeah. Who believes that Yeah. So those are the lies. Everyone says, Oh well, that's just, you know, propaganda out of the right wing Kentucky Attorney General. Well that's just false too. He he's a black man. Yeah, he's black, yeah. Oh, but remember, he's not black in their eyes. He's yeah, exactly. <clears throat> what did what did that MSNBC contributor call him last night? Laura Coats. yeah, it was. Well, her.
2: he was like she, basically she he she said that the presser I believe was very juvenile, and he there was triggering language and hidden gestures in the the remarks. Well, and then she had a full blown meltdown. I don't she know. had a full blown meltdown.
0: I don't know if it was her or if it was someone else that said, Daniel Cameron is skin folk. But not kinfolk. Oh, oh, I forget That was on MSNBC. I don't know yeah. who that was. I know exactly. Yeah. And which means yeah. he's black, yeah. but he's not actually it's black. It's
2: an Uncle Tom thing. Yep. It's an Uncle Tom thing. And if you
0: look on Twitter, that's all they're saying about him. Yeah. Uncle Tom. Uncle they're Tom. using the N word. Yeah. When is enough enough here? The, but, but the bigger story, in my opinion, that's really irresponsible here is the left wing and mainstream media, which I repeat myself, in this country is pushing... Of these theories as fact, which led to a pent-up, built-up tension that was ready to blow in Louisville. Yeah. That then led to, last night, two officers being shot.
2: We have no idea, though, if it was connected to the rights. Yeah, that's <laughs> Dude, facetious for those yeah, of you I'm listening. Sorry, I'm being facetious, folks. But we literally got a—you oh, got an alert. Yeah, notification. Yeah, notification that two officers were shot but unclear. unclear if it was related to the Louisville uh, mayhem. Yeah,
0: Excuse I mean, me. it's just, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I don't know how these people get away with this. Maybe there'll be some sort of reckoning who, after uh, the election if we win. That,
2: who was it that mocked that announcement? It was like, two planes have crashed into the Twin Towers. We don't know if it's related to terrorism.
0: No, no, no. It was <laughs> it, the, the tweet that someone sent back to me was, mm-hmm. The South Tower has collapsed, unclear if related to the plane that hit it earlier. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what this is. And and to do a, a throwback here to what CNN did after Kenosha, remember they said fiery but mostly peaceful protests? Yeah. Well, Reuters said hold my beer on that one because last <laughs> night after those officers were shot, Reuters tweeted, quote – Demonstrations in Louisville wore on past nightfall in defiance of a 9 p.m. curfew and remained mostly peaceful until several gunshots rang out in the midst of a skirmish between protesters and heavily uh, armed police. Oh, God. Oh, yes, those mostly uh. peaceful gunshots and the heavily armed police. The media's a joke, and the war on cops continues, yet they choose to ignore it and encourage it. It's yeah. not just ignoring anymore. Yeah. They're openly yeah. encouraging yeah. violence on police, yeah. and thanks to reporting from our own Julio Rosas, who yeah, was on, on the, the ground. ground. Yeah, uh, well, not anymore. He's back now. He's um, We learned last night that uh, both officers were in stable condition, and a suspect Good. was in custody. Uh, but they had to post the National Guard around the hospital where these officers were being treated Ugh. because they feared for further retaliation. I mean, you know, remember what we saw in Los Angeles yeah. when the sheriff's deputies were shot. Yeah. They were attempting to storm the ER and chanting "Let them die." Yeah, I mean it's just so sad that in this country, I mean these these police officers, they uh, they go out there every day and put their lives on the line, and it's just disgusting. And in in Louisville, uh, Julio also got video of a U haul truck. Pulling yeah. up just ten minutes after the announcement was made that there was only going to be this one charge because, of course, they wanted these officers to be charged with murder even though there was no proof of that and that the shooting itself was justified, uh, very justified, honestly. The supplies were
2: pulled out for the rioters to use. Who's funding this, right? Yeah. Who's funding Who this? Who is it? Because all that shit was done. I mean, I mean, these are big signs. These weren't like little things.
0: You yeah. Know? And then someone was like, well, a U Haul is not that expensive. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But there's been case after case after case after case of coordinated happening. Yeah. Okay. Piles of bricks just appearing right by
2: storefronts. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: It, it, it's totally unbelievable that this is just a coincidence, right? And these protesters that are bailed out using Minnesota Freedom Fund money raised by Kamala Harris and the Democrats, which, by the way, we find out that yeah. – uh, what was it? More uh, sexual abusers were let out because of them? Yeah. yeah. She
2: she peddled it – was, it, was like it was a it was wife-beater bailout fund that she peddled for months this year. That's and, great. And the know, tweet's
0: still up, by the way. Yeah, it's
2: still there. She's still promoting it, so uh, I'm pretty and sure – And you also
0: I'm, have, of course, George Soros mm-hmm. funding – all the bailout funds yeah. that are happening. And
2: getting all these DAs, these all these anti-cop DAs elected. Yep. yep. Which, uh, you know, Fox News said is, you know, it's verboten. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Talking about that. He the shut down. Uh, Speaker Gingrich, you brought that up. That was horrible.
0: That's all right. We're going to prove it and then, you know, they'll, yeah. we'll eventually find the evidence. You know, you, yeah. could, you could hide your tracks for long a long time until you make one mistake. Everybody always makes a mistake.
1: Yeah. And...
0: <laughs> One person in Louisville shouted at the Louisville police. "Uh, Just listen to this. This was hours before two police officers were shot there in Louisville. They said, all y'all get ready to f***ing die. Yeah. It's unbelievable yeah it's truly unbelievable and uh thank god at least we have some uh sane people here in washington dc like senator tom tillis who delivered a great speech in defense of law enforcement on the senate floor yesterday he pointed to the gruesome violence against law enforcement and the movement on the left to defund the police that's gaining momentum he also added that the rhetoric from the left is dangerous which uh, he seems to agree with me that they're openly encouraging violence on the police at this point. So uh, listen, listen to a clip from this speech.
1: Every single damn day, they put on a uniform to go protect their community. Not sure if they're going to come back safe, and they do it anyway. And we owe them a debt of gratitude. But they're sick of the opportunistic politicians, like the Democratic leader and AOC, attacking them for just doing their jobs. Worst of all. Is the specter of targeted attacks like those against the deputies in Los Angeles. The harmful rhetoric being used by the radical anti-police leftists encourages an environment of hostility which emboldens criminals and murderers. The result is brazen attacks against law enforcement officers in broad daylight. They go out there and
0: put their lives on the line every damn day. Day yeah. and they face nothing but hate from these communities that they go out there and protect and could be shot down at any moment. Yep, it truly is the most thankless job in the country. Yeah, and it's it's shameful yeah. that we've reached this point. Yeah, and yesterday, in North Carolina, in in Tom Tillis' state, these animal protesters left a casket full of cow manure at the front. Of APD. Which is being interpreted as we want to put you in caskets. Yeah, yeah. And Senator Tom Tillis responded saying, This is a disgusting attack on the Asheville police. The men and women in blue put their lives on the line every day to protect all citizens at the risk of not yeah. returning home to their families. Disgraceful attacks on our law enforcement officers. Must stop now. And Senator hey, Tillis... That,
2: that, that's Cal Cunningham's people, folks, just for all you North Carolina listeners. Yeah, that's well, Cal's people. anyone
0: that's listening to us is not voting for Cal Cunningham, right. so I'm not concerned I with see. that,
2: but, but
0: yeah. you have... The Protect and Serve Act, which was introduced by Senator Tom Tillis, which would make large federal penalties for attacks on police officers, sponsored by, I believe, 16 of the best Republican senators that we have in in the Senate. I wish it was more of them. It should be the whole caucus. But of course, no Democrats will step up to do such. Uh, Let's talk about some good news. Yeah, please, this has been... Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Talk about some good news. Trump reassured America yesterday that we are not locking down again. All right. And and thank God. I mean, we're growing at a rate we've never experienced before. That's a real October surprise. Five days before the election, on the Friday before the election, we're going to get the number on this quarter's GDP, the quarter that ends at the end of this month, quarter three. It's estimated by the Atlanta... Fed, which does, like, the estimations on GDP, that it could be upwards of 32% growth. Ho! Okay? Ho! Now just wait and watch, and I'm going to predict this right now. Remember how last quarter they reported on the number of of negative growth? Yes. In an annualized status? Yes. Yes. Let's see if they do that this time. Yeah. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Probably not. But the president says we're not locking down again. We're going to crush the virus— and Biden's plan to lock down America will crush America. And remember, he also said that he expects we'd have enough vaccines for everybody by April of 2021. So,
2: yeah.
0: uh, you know, it's been a long time here. I think we're in, what, month six of uh, 15 days to flatten the curve. Yeah. But I think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And like President Trump said, on November 4th, yeah, it all goes away. Yeah, It's going to all go yeah. away. Yep. Operation Warp Speed. Real quickly here, because yeah. we just talked about good the Good news. Vaccines. We got
2: some good news on that front.
0: Yeah. President Trump said, this. obviously, this is all in record time, uh, but now we have a fourth vaccine entering the third stage of clinical testing, so we have four candidates that are getting close to being uh, at the at basically ready to be yeah. reviewed by yeah. the FDA.
2: And I believe all these can be mass-produced.
0: Yes. Right? right. Yes. Uh, yeah.
2: what, what's the, that, that, that is a term, right? Trump
0: have basically already I, the, ordered and paid for hundreds of millions of doses. Okay, yeah. So that's not a problem. Yeah. The distribution network is in place. They're going to use the military yeah, to do yeah, distribution. And they're using military logistics people to do the distribution. And it's basically that when one gets approved, they're going to crank production as as much as humanly possible. Yeah. So... I, I mean, it sounds to me like they're going to have several hundred million doses ready by April if they if they in- intend on giving everybody that wants the vaccine in America ability to get the vaccine. So that'll be interesting. Trump's U.N. speech didn't get a lot of press because it wasn't a live speech this year. But nonetheless, yeah. it was an important speech, especially in the context of the historic peace deals that we're getting here. Yeah. Uh, China's livid over it, though. So that's why it's good news of the day, because it angered China. And uh, China said that the accusations that the president made are groundless, and that the U.S. is spreading a political virus. Oh, I got some words for the Chinese. Go f- yourself, yeah. <laughs> F***ing commie pieces of. <laughs> sh-. Let me tell you something. If president Trump gets reelected. Revenge on China should be a centerpiece of the second term. And I, think I don't. Will. I don't care what he has to do. I don't care if we have to f them up militarily. I don't think they want any piece of that to be honest with you, yeah. which is why they backed down and signed that trade deal uh, right before the China virus came out, but you know, China's a, a threat. China's the biggest threat. They talk about Russia, Russia, Russia. It's China. It's China, indisputably. Yeah. Indisputably. Just this morning, uh Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that China is using its New York-based consulate as a massive spying operation. Uh, which I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and shut that down and kick those commie bastards out, too, like they did in Houston.
2: Shut it down.
0: Yeah, uh, That's what I said. That's shut what, it down really, now. Right? Yeah. So with this Supreme Court fight, the centerpiece of the Supreme Court fight is going to be abortion. We already see that being telegraphed from the left. Uh, they're going to attack Amy Coney Barrett for her views on abortion, cause, especially because she's a devout Catholic. Yep. The dogma and, is
2: strong in her.
0: Well, according to Feinstein. Yeah. I mean, Feinstein doesn't even know what day of the week it is. But President Trump made an opening salvo yesterday in this uh, abortion fight. He announced on Wednesday that he intends to sign an executive order aimed at protecting babies born after botched abortions. The Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act was originally introduced by Senator Ben Sass. But remember, was blocked by the Democrats time after time after time after time. Yeah. This was introduced in the aftermath of Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, affectionately Ooh. known as the Coon Man, yep. Governor Blackface, yep. whatever you want to go with. Yep. Remember, he Grant endorsed was, infanticide. He did. It's on, It's on. He did it on live radio. And they still, even though it's on tape,
2: yeah, they, it's still,
0: still they still try deny. to say, oh, no, 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 he didn't say that. Yeah, that's not what he meant. Well, what he exactly said what he exactly said. Let's play the clip of the coon man himself here and what he's going to do.
1: If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, The infant would be delivered. Uh, The infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, The infant would be resuscitated if if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother.
0: He says we'd, we'd keep them comfortable, yeah. and then we'd make a decision about how to proceed. Yeah. Hmm. It's evil. Well, here's what the president had to say about this new executive order yesterday.
1: We believe in the joy of family, the blessing of freedom, and the dignity of work, and the eternal truth that every child, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. I will always protect the vital role of religion and prayer in American society. And I will always defend the sacred right to life. Today, I am announcing that I will be signing the Born Alive Executive Order to ensure that all precious babies born alive, no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. This is our sacrosanct moral duty. We are also increasing federal funding for the neonatal research to ensure that every child has the very best chance
0: to thrive and to grow. President Trump yeah. is, I think, by far, the most vocal pro-life president that we've had. Yeah, uh, certainly since Bush. Well, I don't— Because Bush but, got the partial birth abortion ban passed in 'o three. Yeah, but did Bush speak at the March for Life? Oh, I don't, I don't no, think no, no, he did. No, no, no. President Trump was the usually, first president— you, Usually they don't, they don't do that. Yeah, that, President yeah. Trump was the first president to have the balls yeah, to go out there, there yeah. and address the it March for Life. Yeah. And— he is an is an unapologetic advocate for the unborn, and I think you're going to see that reflected in this Supreme Court pick, big time. Yeah. But in happier and more uplifting news than abortion, <laughs> but fighting abortion is great. Love fighting abortion. But let's talk about Jerry Nadler, because the real question this morning is, did Jerry Nadler shit his pants yesterday? Yes. And I think the answer is a resounding yes. I think,
2: I think there's I, – I put it at 73.4 percent probability. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nate Silver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we know he doesn't walk like that. We've seen him walk. Yeah. He's seen the oompa He's oompa. a waddler, yeah. but he's not that much is of a that, waddler. Yeah, I mean he has a stride, you know. I mean you seen the oompa Loompa video of him, yeah. you know. don't. He, <laughs> he was trying – he was – he was clenching. Something was clenching, and he was trying to make sure that the evidence of whatever happened below didn't spill into public yeah, view. Yeah, he was trying to keep
0: that butthole clenching. Yeah. Uh, you could go to townhall.com and read Matt's story on Poopgate. It's actually quite popular this morning. Oh, Mark my Levin God. shared it. Yeah. Mark Levin's like, <laughs> the jury's out on this one. The comments are hilarious on that, by the way. (laughs) The comments are like, as someone speaking from experience in in rapid emergency containment of diarrhea in my ass, that's definitely what was going down here. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, We've got some more uh, listener emails here. We've had Martin from New Zealand. uh, Thanks us for fighting the good fight. Good to know that there are sensible voices getting out there in the states, too. Uh, wants to know what our thoughts are on Trey Gowdy saying he won't run for government again. Uh, he said he looked like a perfect successor to Trump to me. Um, and also he says, would you consider interviewing Leighton Baker on your show? Leighton Baker is the leader of the conservatives there apparently. Okay. So uh, if he would love to come on our show, we'd love to have him, of yeah. course. But on the Trey Gowdy thing, I don't think he's going to run for office at least anytime soon. Yeah. I could see him coming into government under an appointment. Or something like that. I don't see him running for elected office.
2: I uh, maybe state statewide. It's a little different. Could go back to South Carolina. Yeah, he could. You know, could run for a statewide office down there. Maybe you know. I think he could. I think he could. I think he would win a governor. He was tired of D.C. Uh, and he, that's he could, yeah. That's uh actually brings up a good phenomenon here. Well, that Benghazi here. thing, I think, drained the hell out of him. Yeah. There was a lot of clown antics with that. Shit. I think he just wanted to get away. I mean, I think I think I, I agree with you. I think he wants to be a judge. Yeah, or yeah. if not a judge, I think he could be. I think he could be a good governor of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would win handedly, actually, in that state. Obviously, but Trey him, Gowdy, oh my god,
0: yeah, I agree. But yeah. him leaving D.C. brings up a, a wider, broader point here. I yeah, think, yeah, good people, good conservatives, leave this town because of how disgusting it is. Yeah, and you see, people even like Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito. Who privately say they are just totally disgusted with DZ and he wants to retire. And yeah. I actually do think yeah. that if Trump wins a second term and we hold the Senate, that Alito will retire next yeah. year, along with Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Uh, which is disappointing because those are two of they're my two favorite justices on the court right now.
2: Yeah, but it's a swampy thing. Here. Um
0: it's terrible here. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, here. there's a
2: reason why I mean talk about, let's get back to South Carolina. Jim DeMint term limited himself. Yeah. Out out of principle, I think. But also he didn't want to stick around. He was he was ready to leave. Get out of here until Heritage offered him that one million dollar uh, salary job to be president. Yeah, for a little bit, but
0: but the thing yeah. is, the thing is, it pushes away the good people. It does, and there's there's there was an element of that too that used to be on the Democrat side, and they're gone now too. Yeah. The people that used to be moderates, there's no more yeah. moderates in that party. Yeah. But let me tell you something: if our office wasn't here, there's no. Way I'd be living in Northern Virginia. Yeah. I could tell you that. Yeah. There's plenty of other places that I'd love to give my tax money to to go to with more freedom and enjoy my life with a bunch of land, a bunch of golden retrievers, and just sit.
2: Yeah. Like West Virginia. Why the hell not?
0: (laughs) Yeah. West Virginia. Country right, roads taking right, home. West,
2: West Virginia, it's it's wide like like there's plenty yeah of land,
0: it's open. The only it, thing, it is
2: diehard Republican now. The only
0: thing in West Virginia is a little too desolate
2: for me. It is a little yeah, it it's is. a little desolate. Yeah, there, there, I like, there are roads where if you broke down,
0: yeah, yeah. Good
2: luck. I like the comforts
0: of civilization. Yeah. I think if I had to just choose one place right now to move to, it would probably be Florida. Yeah. A little bit hot, but if you have an in-ground pool, yeah. You're swimming in that yeah. all year. I I, <laughs> I,
2: I I would either go to Texas or Wyoming. Yeah. Texas, uh... I couldn't stand... I couldn't take the Dallas Cowboys fans. So that would be a problem. Yeah, that would be a problem. That will be, be a problem. But there well, is freedom and, you know, you, you can get like a four or five bedroom house for like under $1,000 a month there. You know? But, well, yeah. But if you move out of this area, you buy a house.
0: It's yeah, not, not yeah. rent like here. Or
2: Wyoming, you know? Nice and... Wyoming.
0: I would go to yeah. the upper Midwest... Jack,
2: uh, Town Hall Jackson Hole.
0: Yeah, well, no, not Jackson Hole. Yeah, that's that's the, the only, only liberal, liberal I know, I know, portion that's of the, the state. Are, I know. But it's
2: also a nice area, though. But I'll tell you,
0: Texas mm-hmm. is trending in the wrong direction, and it's a little bit worrisome yeah, what's going know, on down I there. Know. You know, I hope we could stop the
2: tide of that, but yeah. it does. But worry. you know what? There are different type of Democrat down there, especially with the Latino vote. The, yeah, the Latino yeah. vote. The Latino vote is different in the sense that, like, for example, like I think I think a lot of. Um, of Hispanic voters, for example, who might have been leading Democrat, were kind of turned off by Wendy, Wendy Davis's, you know, abortion rah-rah antics in 2014.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, like,
2: they may be not, you know, diehard pro-lifers, but they're not like, you know, they're like, we're pro-choice, but like, we're not, we don't think abortion is good. Right. You know what am trying to say? And that's right. why, hence, I mean, I think that's a part of the reason why Wendy Davis, besides her being a sucky candidate, didn't even break 40% of the vote. Yeah. In fourteen. Among other things, it's it, it is different down there, and and the Texas GOP is doing a good job with with Hispanic outreach. Yeah, definitely. Keeping, and- keeping, you know, the that, that buffer at bay. I mean, it's it's a, it's it's a weird, it's a hard state to poll. I mean, Brian Preston at PJ Media lives in Texas. He'll tell you it's a tough state to poll. A I lot think, of lot of diverse people, a lot of diverse communities. Yeah,
0: you know? Trump's Hispanic outreach, I think, has, in a way, saved us this election there. Yeah. Well, in Florida, he's um, just dominating. Well yeah, yeah. yeah but well. I, I mean in Texas he stopped the blue slide I think a little bit here. Yeah. But with another candidate it may resume and I'm concerned about a lot of the house seats down there. Oh, too. like a
2: Julian Castro type. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He yeah. could win statewide. He the Castro sucks. brothers could win statewide. So, it's uh scary. listener email yeah. number 2, Ed yeah. from Pennsylvania says he loves the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Love Ed. you too, Ed. He says, in episode 219, right at the beginning, we say we'll fill the seat, Trump will win, and we'll own the libs. He says, do you really think Trump will win? I live in Pennsylvania, and they're screwing us, as you know, with mail-in ballots, with extra days, and accepting non-matching signatures. We have the same stuff now in Wisconsin and North Carolina. He says, you can have these scumbags like LeBron and Bloomberg funding to pay fines for
2: illegal votes how in the hell can Trump win with all of the fraud that's going to happen? Yeah, I mean Ed, good point, Ed. Which is why there needs to be lawsuits. And I, I we again, you know, we we I'll call them like I see him. The the liberals are a little ahead of us on on the on the on the lawfare regarding this. They are yeah. they are filing legal actions. They're getting these deadlines extended. We gotta get on the ball. Yeah. You know we have you know conservative uh, legal. You know, advocacy groups of our own that need to get on the, the regarding elections. They, they, they need to get on this and, and the Trump team as well because that that is ridiculous what they did in Pennsylvania with the 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 you know not accepting ballots that where the voter signatures don't match. Yeah. You know, Michigan. I believe um, didn't they extend it by like like eight days yeah, after the crazy. election? They're going to count ballots like crazy. almost f- in two weeks after the election is over.
0: I mean, you can't know. You know what I think the biggest legal issue of this entire cycle is going to be shaping up to be is in Pennsylvania yeah the secrecy envelopes yes the secrecy yes. envelopes which is estimated that it could disqualify upwards of 40,000 yeah. voters and
2: and that could be and that's intentional. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that could hurt us. It could yeah. help us. Who it, knows? Who knows? But, but that's
2: going to be their their segue into a lawsuit, into yep. a recount, and trying to litigate this to death and have those those rejected ballots counted. Well, the
0: FBI just said this morning that Pennsylvania could potentially be illegally rejecting military ballots— um, oh, because which, we all
2: know typically how military votes, in and yes, the right, ballots that were right. rejected
0: were one hundred percent pro Trump. Yes. So that's not a coincidence. Yeah. Um. So there's there's a lot of fraud that's gonna happen here. You know, we just gotta keep fighting the side. Yeah. You know, I really, truly do believe the that the silent majority is out there. They're gonna go vote, and like I've said every time here, vote in person. If yeah. you have the opportunity to vote do it. in person,
2: it's do safe. It. Dr. Fauci who we who has who Don't has, get me started on that. I it? know, but on this he's right. In per, he said in-person voting is safe to do. Joe Biden voted in person yeah, and he's like one step from death. Yeah. everybody so, voted in person. So just get on it and But there um, is
0: some states like New Jersey for well, example. Well, that's King
2: Murphy in his in Maine, you know. Where
0: you can't president. vote in person yeah. on election day unless yeah. you have a disability.
2: Well, there's going to be a lot of people filing for disability on Election Day.
0: (laughs) So, you know, we just got to keep fighting against it. And uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of things happen between now and Election Day. I think a lot of the independents and anyone who says they're undecided are going to fall towards Trump because the alternative is too dire for our country. And I think that President Trump will win by fraud-proof majorities in places like Michigan, Wisconsin— Perhaps Pennsylvania. It's possible he can repeat. I mean, in terms of the
2: electoral college count that he got last time.
0: So... 300 plus, I what I've, When people have been asking me recently what my prediction is for that,
2: yeah. I've
0: been telling them he's going to carry the same states he did last time, yep. plus Minnesota. Yep. Woo! So it'll yeah. be 316, 316, technically. Yeah. So, unless, of course, he loses something weird like Nebraska 2 or Maine 2, which is just one electoral vote, doesn't really matter... The only number that matters is two seventy exactly, and so that's what why, we're racing
2: to. Which is why the battleground polls are actually more telling than the national polls. Yep. Because the national polls are drawing from New England, the New York, you know, the left coast, all these population centers, which are dominated by by unhinged anti-Trump Democrats, and they oversample them. Yeah. They're still oversampling them. That's what's gonna so. happen.
0: So, looking forward here, we have Saturday the Supreme Court announcement at five p.m. President Trump will be doing a rally right after that in Pennsylvania, so that's sure to be a lit evening, folks. (laughs) Um, Sunday, uh, that new James Comey fetish porn drops on uh, Showtime, so that should be interesting. (laughs) James
1: Comey fetish porn. You know, their alternative (laughs) facts version of Uh, history here.
0: Then we have the debate. Yeah. The debate is Tuesday, folks. The debate is here. And barring a last-second... Uh, Joe Biden announcement that he has COVID and couldn't possibly take part in this first debate. Yeah, the debate will happen. Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting. You know, I was firmly in the camp that these were not gonna happen. These debates, and it can, it still could not happen. But I think that Joe Biden's team now realizes that they can't possibly no, sit it out. You
2: can't. There's there's a Supreme Court fight now. Like there's no way that they can sit this out.
0: Right, and—
2: yeah. among other things. I mean, I think even before, I, there was no way you could set this out.
0: I think that we've definitely set the trap of setting the expectations for Joe way too low.
2: Yeah.
0: So that could come back to bite us. But either way, I forget who said this. Maybe it was Carl Rove or Ari Fleischer on, on Fox— They say either way, no matter what happens, the Democrat always gets announced the winner of the debate by the media. That's how the narrative works. No matter what happens, they'll say, oh, Joe Biden did a great job, right? The question is, will there be a meltdown? Will there be word salad? Will there be forgetful moments? And will his temper show through? Yeah because there's one thing that joe biden can't take and we saw this on the campaign trail before yeah. coronavirus hit
2: yeah
1: that's criticism yeah
0: remember look fat yeah why don't you just go vote for someone else then yeah the whole r- be- threatening to beat up a michigan auto worker for asking yeah. about the second amendment
2: you're full of shit, man
0: yeah and when president trump comes at joe biden unlike anything that he's seen even perhaps in the Democrat debates because remember they kind of had the you know detente going for a while yeah. and then the knives came out but it was too late and they were all like, all right well we don't want to hurt our front runner so yeah, yeah. President Trump's not going to sit back folks no. he's going to come with knives out. So, get ready for an entertaining evening, Tuesday night. We'll, of course, have our normal episode of Triggered here on Tuesday. We will have a special episode Wednesday to review what happened in the debate. Well, maybe. I, I might take the day off. And, yeah, you know, I might call a lid off. like Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, the I, yeah. I, I like to call a lid on my day today. Yeah. You know? uh, so, <laughs> we'll kidding. have that. And on Wednesday, fun. Wednesday morning, right before we record our special episode of Triggered on Wednesday afternoon, is the Comey hearing in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. <laughs> Busy, busy week. And we'll, of course, have our normal Thursday episode. It is going to be a jam-packed week. And if you want more podcasts, you can go check out the Town Hall Media Podcast, War for the White House. It's a very entertaining show. Highly encourage that. Of course, give us all your five-star ratings and reviews. We love all of you, and thank you so much for all of your support. Some of you have been with us from the beginning, and uh, it's truly been a wild ride that we're up here in the 200s and episodes. And uh, we're going to get through this election. We're going to fill this seat. Yeah. It's going to be something, man. It's going to be something. So, of course, feel free to email us anytime with anything you want to talk about. Triggered at townhall.com. And we will be back here on Tuesday for another episode of Triggered. See you then.